It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. On today's episode of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring, we give you our instant reaction to Vanderbilt's Week 1 loss at Texas A&M in Aggieland, 17-12, a very unexpected result. We expected a loss, but we didn't expect a loss like that. On the road against a top-10 team, Ken Seals is legit, but we asked the question, how legit is he? Is he the starter for the next four years? Is he better than Kyle Shermer? Is he better than Jay Cutler? We will answer that question and much more as this episode will recap the A&M loss and look ahead a little bit to LSU. Let's ride. Welcome into another episode of The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast in Music City. We are presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day and get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or you can email the founder, Jimmy Alaco. That's jimmyalaco at comcast.net. They are located right here in Nashville, Tennessee, so it's nice and easy for the locals. You can call 615-356-0303. That's 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring, perfect floors, whatever your style. Before we dive into the Texas A&M game, here is the breaking news presented by the Recycling Dudes. Here's Will Byram for a few words on the great folks over at the Recycling Dudes in Nashville. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they're brothers, Graydon and Chapman, and their dad, Drew Smith, who's a Metro Nashville firefighter. Living in Westmead, the Recycling Dudes recognized a need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every need and every budget, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. Welcome back into the Door Report. This is episode number 37. I'm broadcasting live from Naples, Florida, alongside my co-host, Will Byram, who is up in Nashville, Tennessee. And we are back and better than ever uh, this, this uh, Tuesday afternoon. It's, it's about, let's see... One, it's almost two o'clock here in Naples, about one o'clock there in Nashville. Before we get to the breaking news and all the talk about the week one matchup with AM, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, we are door underscore report, Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So hit us up on all those platforms and, uh, you know, give us a rating. Give us some five stars and, and, and you know, we'll, we, will, uh, we will provide some entertaining content for you, you know, on, on that front. But, Will, 
How about the weekend? I mean, Saturday night was was uh, one of the more intriguing matchups it turned out to be in the SEC in terms of that finish in College Station. Yeah, I think uh, ESPN and SEC Network kind of regretted putting that game on uh, SEC Network alternate channel with the uh, F team announcers there, but <laughs> it ended up being a lot closer. And we, we'll get into the details of, of kind of the breakdown of the good the and the bad, um, I think is what we might call that segment the rest of the season. So I like it. But, <laughs> but it was definitely an entertaining game and, and a lot closer than a lot of us even expected as Vanderbilt fans. No doubt. I mean, that I obviously you got to watch a lot of it. And, um, you know, I didn't want, get to watch a whole lot. But, yeah, we'll dive – we will dive deep into that game uh, because, yeah, I mean, Ken Seals is the story, and we will talk plenty about him. Uh, the Vanderbilt defense looking, you know, looking solid against a, a great offense there with Kellen Mond. So, we'll dive into all that and, and much more coming up later in the pod. But we're going to get a quick breaking news segment in because there are a few pieces of news uh, for us to talk about. And this breaking news segment is obviously presented by the Recycling Dudes. Obviously, Will, Vanderbilt lands uh, a commitment from – this is today. They landed a commitment from local three-star uh, DB John House, the fourth. Is that it? John yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe he's the fourth, not a, not a Roman numeral. Yeah, yeah so we're going to go with John House, the fourth. Uh, and, and this was a guy that he was on Mason's radar for a while. And, and, and for him to commit to Vanderbilt is, is a huge get. Uh, A.D. Candace Story Lee was on the phone with him, actually, you know, discussing plans for the program's future. And she essentially sealed the deal. And as he announced his commitment, he committed to Vanderbilt over Boston College and Nebraska. And, and Will, this is, a, this is a legit local get for, for Coach Mason after, after a good fight in, in, in Aggieville. Some nice timing. Yeah, it's good to see some local talent staying in the area and committing to Vanderbilt. You've seen it in the past, whether it's Joan Williams or, or Cam Johnson. They were a little bit uh, higher rated of prospects. He's a three-star according to the 24-7 sports composite ratings. But like, like I've mentioned on previous podcasts, I usually like to look at who has offered this player as opposed to necessarily their, their scout star ratings. And I mean, the, the list, it, I can't even name off all of them, but you mentioned a couple in Boston College and Nebraska that were kind of on his final list. But and he also had offers from Virginia, West Virginia, Penn State, Ole Miss, Missouri, Mississippi State, Michigan, and, and the list goes on. So it, it's a guy that chose Vanderbilt over a lot of, I, I don't want to say, but more prestigious programs. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it feels like there's a little bit of energy kind of picking up in, around that Commodore program that we really haven't seen um, in recent history, even even really since Mason's um, tenure began outside of that three-game stretch before that uh, Alabama game that we all remember ever so fondly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Alabama, you're next. Uh, hopefully we're not getting that this year uh, at all. But, but no, Will, you said it right there. The, there's a little bit of momentum. I mean, they didn't win the game at A&M, but a 17-12 loss is obviously another, you know, moral victory that Vanderbilt, uh, you know, fans always love to talk about. But I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, I think John House was watching that game. <laughs> you know, he had been watching that game, looking at it. Um, you know, not sure if Boston College played or, you know, school like Penn State played. Obviously not yet. But, uh, you know, that's, he's, a he's a local kid and, and he's coming to, to West End. So um, he, he becomes Vanderbilt's 16th commit for the 2021 class. Uh, number 68 Vanderbilt was at. Now they moved to number 63 overall in the country. So, um, and again, he's got good size, 6'2", 185. He might be able to get up to 200 pounds, you know, when he gets up to Vanderbilt. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fun to see kind of, you know, what, what kind of momentum this, this creates in recruiting. 
you know, because you always you see a local kid commit. You know, I'm sure there's a there's a quarterback of Brentwood, Kate Granzo, who's actually um, is one of his be- better friends, and Vanderbilt's recruiting him. So maybe you know this guy can create a little bit of momentum that that Vanderbilt needs. You know, for this. So again, when you look at it, it it's 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 not a it's not an insane like uh, you know this is this is a, a a season changer, but this is a little bit of momentum like you talked about there, Will. And then moving on to the second piece, we got limited student attendance is now allowed at Vanderbilt. Um, and this is, this is something that, you know, we were talking about before the season started as what are they going to do with fans? You know, what, what are they going to do? My thing is, why is it limited? Why are we doing limited student attendance? They, you know, why, the, four, the Aggie student section, 12th man, was packed. I mean, that place was, that was loud. And so for Vanderbilt, obviously, the limited student attendance – isn't necessarily a game changer it's not going to affect um you know the opposing team on third down or anything like that but uh candace lee said in quote as part of our ongoing efforts we've decided to allow a very limited number of vanderbilt students to attend the october 3rd game and cheer on our student athletes this is a small step toward normalcy based on guidance from our public health partners but we're not taking it lightly we will work to ensure the health and safety of the vanderbilt community as much as possible well I don't, I don't understand this personally. You know, if you're going to limit it, just don't open it all, you know, and, and they don't even have parents coming to the games yet either. Yeah. I have mixed feelings on this. So it's a good step in the direction they're allowing anybody into the stadium. So they're, so they're backtracking a little bit on their initial, no, no fans in attendance whatsoever, which would be unprecedented across the country, specifically within the SEC is I think the other lowest capacity was what, like 20% or something along those yeah, lines. So yeah. The only thing issue that I have with it, I understand, we kind of went over, I believe it was two episodes ago, kind of the limitations that Vanderbilt faces uniquely mm-hmm. within the conference and, and pretty much all power five being located in a larger city, um, out of state students, a lot living on campus. So, but on the flip side of that, if you're just going to go the just allowing students route, I mean, I believe the stat is over 90% of Vanderbilt students already live on campus. Exactly. So they're already on that small campus interacting with each other on a regular basis. Yeah social distance within that stadium they don't just have to be crammed into the student section because they're not even allowing parents and yeah. family yeah what let me is- let me say this if they if they social distance in that student section it's gonna it's gonna look worse with with even if there were no students if you're gonna have a student section you don't social distance you know i mean the 12th man they were they had masks on but they were right that was packed yeah i mean and Vanderbilt's probably definitely not going to take a step in that direction, being the private academic elite university yeah. that they are. They're going to be as progressive as possible and, and please everybody across social media and, and the media in general. So, yeah. But seeing this step, it, it is bizarre that you have a 40,000-seat stadium. I know that's pretty small compared to the SEC, but it's still a pretty damn big stadium. Yeah. Um, you, you should easily be able to have 5,000 people, 8,000 yeah. people in attendance, and you, you wouldn't have anybody within – 10, 15 feet of each mm-hmm. other and, and limit access to concessions, restrooms. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's like, here's a tiny little treat here, but in all actuality, we're hiding this feast that you could be having. I yeah. mean, if you just allow Vanderbilt season ticket holders along with an allotment of students, you're not going to have more than 20, 25% capacity in that stadium. So especially with opt-outs from the already pretty limited season ticket holder base. So yeah, it's it's just it's it's so it's just like it's so Vanderbilt. But but the other thing is like well, when you look when you if you look at um, you know Ken Seals' father, he went to the game in College Station, 
and he might not be able to go to his son's next game at home against LSU. Another top, you know, maybe not top 10 team, but a top 25 team. That's ridiculous. Yeah, just a side note on that. It's, it's not the best thing to say. We are Vanderbilt fans, so, so I hate to be the person that brings up attendance everything, but the LSU game when they got beat, what was it, 66 to 38 or something like that, really high scoring affair last season. Yeah. And it was conservatively 85% LSU fans. They, they had a home field advantage. So I, the Georgia game was like 95%. Yes. I actually was on the field. I had field passes for that game and looking up at the stands, watching the red file in and just being like, oh my God. It was like, just like, we're uh, really at 95%. But it's actually not a disadvantage to Vanderbilt to not allow a large number, even if it's 20% of fans in the stands, which exactly. is That's, also a unique situation, which I know has to be playing. Um, it's it, it's decision. probably playing a factor in this decision, honestly. You know, I think with just how they are as, as you know, the small private school in the SEC, that's, that's I guarantee you that that's filing in. Um, yeah. We're going to continue on, though, with, with uh, you know, wrapping this up. We also – um, we have an in-person tailgate. Uh, the athletic department will host the Commodore tailgate show before each home game. This is part of the uh, initiative, uh, you know, taken by Candace Lee. It'll be hosted by Kevin Ingram. It'll show, uh, it will stream live on Vanderbilt Athletics Facebook page, Twitter account, and YouTube channel, and also on viewcommodores.com. So an interesting, you know, good, good hire there with Kevin Ingram. He's going to be hosting that, uh, no doubt. So, well, it's time. Uh, you know, to pre to recap this A and M game and, uh, that we had week one, and I mean, this is this was a this was a very very unexpected performance, no doubt. Uh, we're gonna go through the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, you know, throughout this game, and uh, and then to close it out, we'll look ahead to LSU. But Will Byram, what uh, what were your initial thoughts? You know, not getting into the good, not getting into the the bad quite yet, but initial thoughts after a game like this where it was just kind of like, you know, is this happening? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try to put it into three bullet points before we go into the analysis of it a little bit further. Um, so, some of the good, I mean, obviously Ken Seals is the thing that jumps off the page, jumps off the screen for you. Um, he was kind of the talk of Commodore Nation after that. I mean, and he, he was good. He wasn't, he wasn't amazing. He wasn't perfect. He was good. He was, and, he was better that he was better in one game than any other quarterback they had last year. Yeah, and I, and I believe we were discussing it in our group, um, the, the door report group. We were talking about that we were trying to kind of temper our expectations because yeah. he was good, but he, yeah. he's a freshman. I mean, there's going to be yeah. ups and downs, but and I put in there, I, I think we deserve to be excited because I think yeah. we saw one half of decent quarterback play, and I emphasize decent from Mohassan in that Missouri game. Yeah, <laughs> cheap shot that knocked him out, but. He that's the thing that yeah you mentioned the cheap <laughs> shot that knocked him out I that's the one thing I think I'm I'm like Ken Seals plays like a dog like he he is he's not scared of anything that, that's a good A&M defense with a lot of speed a lot of beef up front and he went in there he, he was he wasn't losing yards on his runs you know he would he would he would he had these quarterback keepers where he would pound four three four five yards that's what you want you know you you weren't going to get that from you know you might get it from Mohassan last year but he's not a, he's really not as big and, and athletic as 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 Ken Seals and the announcers were saying we're acting like Ken Seals was inept at running the ball I don't know if you yeah. saw that but they were like no this they don't want this kid running I'm like, have you seen yeah. he's five yards a carry on a, on a side note on the announcers in that broadcast you didn't get to sit down and watch the entirety of it but that SEC network alternate broadcast yeah. I noticed it a little bit a little absolutely 
horrible. I mean, I, I think you could have stuck us in there in the booth with no preparation and it might've been better. I mean, they were, there was no flag animation popping up on the screen. There was no first down markers, no line of scrimmage markers. Every time there was a flag, the and I, I don't think that's I don't think that's on. just Vanderbilt like that, that. This game is at A and M. You know, people like right. People, it's not a Vanderbilt Missouri game. Like this. Yeah, is- it, was, it was honestly amazing that I was sitting there and I was I was thinking these guys. They, I know they're kind of the bottom tier. They're assigned to the SEC Network <laughs> yeah. alternate team, but this is their job. Like, and and it was it was like watching a high school broadcast. But yeah. to get back to the game. The the other thing, other couple things that really jumped off besides conceals. Um, kind of on the more bad side was kind of the lack of involvement of Cam Johnson. Um, oh, yeah. Specific yeah. players. He had some targets, a couple receptions, and unsure if it was a route miscommunication, if he ran the wrong route that caused one of those interceptions by Ken Steele's inside the Texas A&M red zone. Yeah. Um, but his lack of involvement was something that really jumped off the page. And then another thing, because I won't get into the good, and there is plenty of it, this is more of a criticism. Yeah. Without Keon Brooks, our running backs, Oh my and, gosh. and really offense in general, really lack explosive playmaking ability. We, we're really lacking that guy, like whether it's Keyshawn it's Vaughn. Keyshawn, it, the absence of Keyshawn is really showing. Yeah, and it's not – in the past, Vanderbilt hasn't always had the most explosive playmakers, but they've had some speed guys or, or guys that can bust big plays, whether it's Keyshawn Vaughn, Ralph Webb, Jordan Matthews, guys like that. And they really don't have that this year. I'm no. really hoping the addition of Keyshawn or uh, Keon Brooks will kind of boost that as he is kind of a speed burner kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. And, and hopefully Cam Johnson, we can see some more involvement. Yeah. But those are kind of the three main things that jumped out before yeah. we get into a little bit more of an in-depth breakdown. Yeah. And then one more thing here. Well, I, I was thinking after the game, this was late. You know, I know I sent the, a late message that the Doorport group chat, but I was just sitting there thinking, what if, what if Ken Seals was the quarterback last year? You know, what if, what if we had Ken, you had Cam, Cam Johnson also, Keyshawn, and the big three. You know, was our quarterback play that bad last year? Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of that question right there is, is exactly what the opposite question that I think all of us asked watching Riley Neal um, take snaps was, how good was Kyle Shermer? I mean, was he yeah. that good that he literally made this offense, which didn't see a lot of turnover between 2018 and 2019? go from being, you know, a mid-tier SEC offense, had some really explosive playmaking ability to literally inept, one of the oh, worst in all just, of FBS football. Just horrible. I mean, it was just horrible. I mean, and then, and then getting into this season, you, you already see in one game, and I know, you know, we're going to temper our expectations, but that's a damn good A&M team on the road with their 12th man there and loud. That is an impressive performance by Ken Seals, and and you know we could we could you know we could have a, a a flowing conversation all podcast here, but we are going to you know put a little bit of structure in with you know just running through our our breakdown our breakdown of the game against AM. the good. We're going to start with the good. Will I'll, I'll throw mine in um, first here. I think there are a few things. The defensive line looked good. You know they they for for as as much as you know, Vanderbilt's D line has, has looked these past few years under coach Mason, they looked good. This could be, you know, potentially if they can, if they continue to play this well, the best D line unit he's had. Um, and then, you know, the secondary that they were flying around. Another thing, Will, the both coordinators coming in, they, they have made an immediate noticeable impact, you know, in one game, like I said, and you know, it's hard, obviously they were keeping things under wraps uh, in the, in the off season leading into this season, but they have made an impact. There are two coaches, Ted Roof on the defense and um, um, Todd Fitch on the offense. I mean, they are, they are as, as good as it gets for Vanderbilt, at least. 
You know, these guys have been coaching for a while and, and they, they show that they, they have what it takes to, to, to compete in the sec in one game. You know, and again, we're tempering our expectations, but again, they looked really good. I think, I thought they ran the ball well at certain times, you know, considering all the O-line issues, I thought Marlowe looked good at times. Wakefield is a bruiser. I mean, he has improved. He could be the most improved player. Um, and then I think Ken Seals, uh, his awareness disguised a lot of the missed assignments and missed blocks on the O-line. You know, he would, he would get the ball out quick. He would kind of evade pressure, roll right, roll left and, and throw on the run. So those are kind of my good that, that I think kept Vanderbilt in, in the game, really. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the offensive line uh, looking really good. And, and that is one of the, the main things that stuck out to me was I was expecting, honestly, co- complete ineptitude. And, and nobody could blame them. I mean, you're, I missing, mean, me too, four, me too. you're missing four guys that were going to be starting. And you have literally you have a D-line on guy that Yeah, he played for four years at defensive line and is now starting um, yeah. on the offensive line. So the expectations are and they blew the expectations out of the water. Um, another thing that made that offensive line look a lot better is we have not had a mobile quarterback outside of that glimpse at Mo Hassan, not even saying a like speed burning, but just, a, I mean, yeah. Kyle Shermer for how good he was, yeah. he was stuck in quicksand. So he made that offensive line. If there was any pressure, I mean, he was not yeah. going to escape it. And Ken Seals, you saw them roll him out a lot. And, and that was a big addition to the offense. So yeah. Uh, Ken Seals, you touched on that offensive line play, defensive line play, you touched on that. Um, the Vanderbilt defensive line was actually graded the highest of any Power Five team in the country. Yep. Uh, by pro Football Focus. The defense was really opportunistic. Texas yeah. a made mistakes and they jumped on every single fumble. One more guy to mention that I had actually uh, highlighted as a guy to keep an eye on this upcoming season in the depth chart breakdown on, on an article on thedoorreport.com was uh, Amir Abdur Rahman. Yes, um, sir. Absolutely came out and, and looked look damn good. Really good. Um, wearing a different number. He was wearing 87 before, and now he's wearing number two. Uh, his routes look really crisp. He did drop a ball that Ken Seals threw an absolute dime to him yeah. on the Texas A&M offside. That was a tough drop. And it was inside the 10, and it went straight through his hands. But yeah. other than that, he was really solid and really efficient. So um, that was a guy that they were really happy to have back. And he's a big guy too. Like he's he's that he's got that Jordan Matthews style where he he's physical. He's not a speed demon. He's not gonna he's not gonna you know bust bust a defense loose and and break it for seventy. But you know I think I think he's got enough moves in him and he's got enough enough beef to where he will get those extra four or five yards. You saw that on the play where uh, Seals, obviously immediate pressure, steps up a little bit and throws a, throws a kind of across his body to the left side, pass the A&M outstretched arm. Abdur Rahman, he's got to get, he's got to work for an extra three yards and he gets it first down. So if we can get Ken Seals, Cam Johnson, and Abdur Rahman working together, this offense can be, spe- can I don't know about special, but this offense offense will definitely be light years ahead of last year's. And, and, and especially when you look at, look at a guy like, like Abdurrahman, who, who has kind of the same style as Chris Pierce. You know, why, why can't Chris Pierce be, uh, be, be another guy like that as well? So, and, and he's a guy, you can tell he's been working on his game a lot after, after a tough injury, you know, that had him out, set him out the whole year last year, right? 
Yeah, in, injured really early in the year, and and I'd put plugged in in that same article the video of him uh, catching that ball against Tennessee one-handed with a guy grabbing him, and I think oh, that's that what, that was the beginning. Yeah, I think that's what most people saw. Um, I remember when he committed. I think his name on Twitter was like Epic Monkey, and I think it still might be. <laughs> yeah. But I remember just looking at him, being like Epic Monkey. Who is this yeah. guy? We just got who is this? Start. And and I watched this highlight tape, and I was blown away. And I was yeah. like, this guy is going to be a stud. Yeah, he would he's. Same type of recruit as Jordan Matthews, too, a diamond in the rough type of guy. Where, you know, he, Jordan Matthews was a two-star. I think Abdurrahman either a two- or three-star. So you look at both those guys and, and you say, hey, they, they could have the same kind of trajectory if, if, if Abdurrahman continues to play this well. And he's built like a tight end. So, um, so, you know, we'll see what he does. Tight ends did look good, though. Ben Bresnahan. Uh, looked, he had, he made some tough catches in some tight spaces and, and, and Cam Johnson, you mentioned, will only four targets. Uh, but as we talked about every defense from here on out, it's going to be, it's going to be keying on him just due to his speed and ability, you know, for yards after the catch. I mean, he's just, he's a guy that, that Ken Seals, I think has a lot of chemistry with, I mean, he has to, he's an, he's the number one guy. He's the number one receiver. Uh, but that's probably part of the reason Abdurrahman was so open a lot. You know, maybe not open, but they had, you know, their second or third DB on him, you know, so that that's that's kind of the a little bit of where the offense was going with, with the receivers. And in terms of the running backs, Will, we talked about a little bit earlier, Marlowe and Wakefield looked solid. Wakefield, I think, could be one of the most improved players on this team. You know, he showed a lot of uh, effort there and extra yards. But in terms of this running game, do you think that's enough? Like, do you think do you think what they did against A and M is enough to open up that passing game for for Seals? I, I'm going to give a one word answer, and then all is no, absolutely not. That running game was absolutely not enough. There were there were a few plays in particular that kind of you wouldn't get just looking at the stat sheet, but watching the flow of the game, seeing how the runs. There were a couple times where, where they really had the edge or, or they'd really set the edge well and, and had it either one-on-one -on -one with a guy on the outside of cornerback or safety, or they had um, a guy they couldn't beat to the edge. And, and it, you know, it was a 16-yard gain, right, for example. But it should have been, with guys we've had in the past, it should have been a 40-yard gain or yeah. a touchdown. And, and you only get four or five opportunities like that, um, especially playing as, as a legitimate underdog. Yeah. So – we the and and this is highlighted kind of we discussed it before speed i mean that is going to be the thing that we're going to be talking about all year that lack of big playability yeah. is going to be the thing that holds this team back and and the execution not anything the running backs did poorly they just keon brooks i'm really really looking for him to come in and, yeah. and be that guy that changes the pace of the game cuz marlow and wakefield have extremely similar running styles um, they're, they're not going to blow you away with speed, but they've got good vision, secure yeah. at the ball, and they'll get those extra yards. So having a guy like Keon Brooks would have been massive in this game. Oh, no doubt. And especially with, with Marlowe, not really – he doesn't have a ton of experience. You know, this is really his first year where he's, he's bursting out kind of onto the scene. And, you know, we're not saying they played bad. You know, these guys, they're just not game breakers. They're not a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn. And uh, with this offense, Will, I agree, I think – they need to have that guy they can rely on to where, hey, we can throw it to him in the backfield or we can throw it to this receiver in, you know, in the slot and he will bust it for 50-60. Is that Cam Johnson? We didn't see it in A&M, so we'll see. But my, my prediction is that it is Cam Johnson. And, and, and maybe it's a guy like Abiraman where you, know, you can just throw it to in the red zone. They need a go-to guy. You know, and right now they don't have that. Uh, you know, last year, before the season even started, the go-to guy was Keyshawn. <laughs> 
you know that that's that's it's just kind of a it's a it's a it's a safety kind of thing it's like okay you know we know we know we have this guy when in doubt give him the ball um so that's that's the thing to watch on offense and and then on defense i'm confident you know i'm i'm confident this defense in it's especially because they only gave up 17 points against a great offense you know that offense is athletic they got a lot of guys that kellen mon can throw to and and we you saw it spiller broke broke loose a few times and 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 the defense was just they they were just just not ready for it and 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 again for for this for this defense it, tempered expectations for both sides of the ball but on defense that 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 Todd or Ted Roof coach coach unit played well especially up front yeah we'll, we're kind of transitioning into the bad the criticism here um, the the bad I would say kind of relating to those the the run game getting loose for Texas A and M or, or short passes getting loose for more yards than they should. Uh, as well as that defense played, and, and they played really well. However, some of those points and stats are skewed just because of careless errors by Texas A&M. Obviously, that that You're play right. by Andre Mentz was was massive. Um, that was that was a forced turnover. There's a difference between yeah. a turnover and a forced turnover. Yeah. And and there were two or three of those other fumbles where they were not forced. They were careless errors. You know, not really getting as much practice time as usual, jumping straight in SEC play. So. I would temper the expectations down a little bit for the defense because without those kind of, if you reduced those fumbles um, that they had that were kind of unforced, you're going to see a stat on that's a lot more dominant from Texas A&M um, because they still did outgain Vanderbilt pretty significantly. Um, we still held an advantage in time of possession, but they outgained us by over 120 yards. Um, yeah. and, and most of that was within the running game, but penalties and turnovers really set them back during that game. So the initial tackling, um, I don't know. I don't have the numbers on it. I haven't gone back and, and watched the full game. Yeah, I got game, I believe it was 10, 11, 12 times they missed an initial tackle yeah. that, that resulted in extra yardage for Texas A&M. Yeah. So you mentioned the fumbles. There were three guys on defense that recovered fumbles. Deshaun Jerkins actually made the hit and he recovered that one on Kellen Mond. And then you had Jalen Mahoney uh, recover one and Davion Davis recover one. So three guys. And if they can get that multiple turnovers, double, you know, in, in a game, that's what you need, especially with a team like Vanderbilt, a limited offense. The defense has to be opportunistic. And they were. They were against AM. They were opportunistic. They took advantage. And Davion Davis actually had an interesting quote uh, today. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, I think it was either the Hustler. Um, or VandySports.com, they said, Davis, Davis said, we value the ball. You know, we just, we want the ball. And that's what uh, defensive coordinator Ted Roof has been preaching. Get the ball, you know, just fall on the ball. And, and that, cause that's what we need. <laughs> I mean, you know, we want the ball back. So. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you're touching on opportunities there that the defense created, whether it was stopping them and in, in good field position. And we'll kind of, we're kind of going through the bad now. We, we've praised the defense a little bit, but we do have yeah. some criticism The the missed opportunities from the offense, and this relates to something I'll get into in a second, which was something that really jumped out to me, conservative play calling as well. Um, I'll just run through six different possessions for the Commodores really fast. Let's do we, it. Let's do we it. We started on our own 40 mm. off a punt, punted the ball. Started on our own 46. So this is all possessions within 10 yards of midfield or past midfield mm. we started. We forced a punt, got the ball in the 40, our own 46 mm -hmm. um, from a fumble, punt. Uh, we started on the own 44. Uh, we got to the Texas A&M 40 and punted. Um, mm. We started on the A&M 30 from a fumble, or 43 from a fumble. We did score there. So that was an opportunity we capitalized on. There we go. 
started on our own 42 from a fumble. Mm. Uh, interception at AMM 20, that was either the miscommunication between Cam Johnson or he ran the wrong route. Yeah, whatever that was. And then we started on our 36 from a fumble, and it was a punt. So you're looking at one out of six of those good field position opportunities yeah. capitalized on, and that's just not going to get it done, which kind of gets to what we were talking about where you're pleased with the performance, but you kind of sit back and you're like, we could have won this yeah. game. Damn, we, you almost look back and you're like, we made less mistakes. We should have won this game. Exactly. And we, out, we outplayed them. We out-executed them, and, and we still lost. So your, your expectations kind of shifted, and I kind of had to take a step back after that game was over because I was extremely frustrated and say, yeah. okay, this is a lot to build on. We kind of woke up the rest of the SEC and country, yeah. and you've kind of seen that in some power rankings. But to, to what contributed to those missed opportunities and something that was driving me ballistic all night was I understand wanting to protect your freshman quarterback, not show too much game one. But our play calling was – I was not impressed. I was not impressed with that. I mean, I, I, so <laughs> the, the, the thing about it is the concepts were really good. They were a lot yes. better than last year. But, yes, some of the play calling – and I think a little bit of it was on Ken, you know, a misread here, a misread there. There were a few, a few times where he gave it to the running back and, and – and it lost a few yards where there's green grass to your left side, Ken. Read that. Yeah, the, the big thing is I'm not sure how many of those RPOs are, are just the quarterback running. Or actual reads. Or actual reads. Um, I think yeah. a lot of those were him carrying out a fake because um, yeah. they're not wanting to put too much on his plate. I get that. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I was very, 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 very disappointed in Todd Fitch after what we'd heard all year because I'll, I'll run through this really quick. I went through the entire play-by-play -play of the game. Um, and in the first half, we had 15 first downs. We ran the ball 13 times on first down. Yeah, you got to um, mix it up. And of those 13, which is 86.67% of our first down plays for runs, only one out of those 13 gained five or more yards. And I believe it was only three of them gained three or more yards or more than three yards. So you're starting yourself in a hole. And then a lot of what we saw in the second half was much of the same six out of the 11 first downs. And that's even counting the last two possessions that were obviously a different situation later in the fourth quarter down. Um, still throughout the game, we ran the ball in 19 out of 26 first down plays. That's almost 75% and only 10% of those. So two out of 19 of those resulted in a gain of five or more yards. So it, it, it was one of those things that I was like, I've got to go back and look at this play-by-play because -play yeah. it feels like we were running it on every single first down. Um, and, and it wasn't in my head. Um, yeah. on th and, and then obviously on the other uh, seven first down plays, we mm -hmm. threw the ball. Three out of those seven resulted in a gain of five or more yards. So it, I understand you're setting up that pass play. Yeah. I get that. But if, you're not, if you're not gaining anything, you're not setting anything up. Yeah, and, and the huge part of it is you're sitting there, you're playing the number 10 team in the country with four missing starting offensive linemen. Like, if, if the freshman quarterback, you know, you don't want to kill his confidence, but, man, open up the playbook. Yeah. Like, you had a chance. You had opportunities to, to shock the nation. Yeah. And you and, have and, guys out there. You have Amir Abdurrahman. you got Cam Johnson. And, 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 and I feel like – targets. Our, yeah, our guys set – Todd Fitch set there, and he left there with ammunition – um in his gun yeah I mean he, he exactly you're right you're right and that could have changed the entire complexion of hell the Vanderbilt program if you yeah. go into Texas A&M and pull that upset off so I was very impressed with Ted Roof more because I was really high on Todd Fitch before the season I was very mm -hmm. impressed with Ted Roof yeah um, it's kind of more of a it's more of a wait and see on Fitch but man Fitch I because all we heard all year was man we we're going to be throwing these quick this quick game, quick slants, 70, 75% of plays, hurry up. And we didn't really see a lot of that. So yeah. 
And, it, and yeah, be a wait and see. Yeah, I, like, I mean, <laughs> like you said, the ammunition is there. You know, they still have ammunition, and 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 when you look at it, they got LSU coming up. A, a good defense. I mean, that's a that's a damn another damn good defense that uh, that you got to look for in terms of in terms of that matchup. So we're we're almost up here on time. This is definitely the longest uh, door report episode we've had, uh, and and you know we could talk about that A and M game maybe for three hours. I mean, we could sit here and talk about it all day. Uh, but but that's that does it here really for the door report. Uh, we will touch on the LSU game. Uh, here just a little bit we'll have another preview episode uh, coming up but uh, the Vanderbilt football team they're back in Nashville ready to make its Vanderbilt Stadium debut 6 30 Saturday night you can watch it on the SEC network they came up short at A&M we will see how they do against the LSU Tigers coming up this Saturday night we will have another uh, preview episode against LSU Tigers uh, coming up hopefully either Thursday or Friday uh, but uh, for myself Billy Derrick and Will Byram you've been listening to episode number 37 of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring.